What started as a backyard gathering has blossomed into a global movement. Welcome to How Mom Made It. I'm Mary Goulet. And I'm Heather Ryder. And we're talking today to a mom who is inspiring kids to create peace and kindness worldwide. Her name is Jill McManigal, and she is the proud mother of two beautiful children and also the co-founder and executive director of the global nonprofit called Kids for Peace. And she's going to be telling us about what started in her in her Carlsbad, California backyard in 2006 has grown into something worldwide. Jill, welcome to the show and tell us how this all got started, Kids for Peace. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I love whenever we can share our story about how kids can take such an active role in making this world a better and brighter place for everybody. So I am thrilled to be here. Um, Kids for Peace got started, um, as you said, in my backyard 17 years ago. I am a former school teacher, and I am a um, was an avid volunteer to my for my um, kids' school. And um, I also was a big um, I I love Gandhi. So Gandhi had a quote that says, "If we are to achieve lasting peace, we must begin with the children." And I've always had a desire to help um, the world just be kinder than it can be and to give everyone a place to um, do their part in in bringing more joy to the world. So with all of that, um, it was post 9-11. There was a lot of fear in the world. And I just knew that this was not the world I wanted my children or any children to grow up in. And so um, I had a desire to do something to bring more understanding and give kids an opportunity, you know, be inspired by that Gandhi quote, giving kids an opportunity to do their part in making a peaceful world. So I was at a party. I met this other amazing high school student who also had a desire to bring more peace to the world. Um, we had a very synchronistic meeting. We just um, kind of fell in love with each other and knew that we wanted to work together. So we did. We gathered my kids and a couple of our neighborhood kids. And then Danielle said, let's ask the kids what they want the world to look like and what do they want to do to make it that way and let's support them in doing it. And with those few questions, um, we got busy putting their ideas into action and Kids for Peace was born. So what kind of answers did they give you guys at that time? They said that they wanted people to be nice to each other. Um, they wanted um, to take care of the environment. Um, they said that they wanted um, to join together. They knew it was important that we all, um, you know, not to work in isolation, but join forces. Um, they wanted to do service to be able to help out people in need. Um, so basically those ideas and from their thoughts, we created our peace pledge which are six lines that guide everything we do. And with that peace pledge, um, that is the roadmap to peace. And that's what um, is, the, is like the heart and soul of Kids for Peace. And then with just our one chapter in our backyard, our one group of kids, um, the media heard about it. They did some stories about us. And then some other moms and other neighborhoods heard about what our kids were doing. And they're like, we want to be part of that too. And so we put some structure together and shared what we were doing and, very organically and grassroots way it grew and uh, you know it spread from neighborhood to neighborhood so it grew but what we're we're kind of missing the headline here it grew from your backyard into a, a global movement with 19 mil, with more than 19 million kids 
in 115 it's, countries? It's true. I mean, those numbers are so big that we almost lose um, concept of what that really means. Um, yes, we, um, you know, for, for several years, it was just growing very slowly. So we went from our dozen kids to hundreds and then thousands of kids. And then um, we did a, um, pro- we started a program called the Great Kindness Challenge. And um, we started with my children's school in Carlsbad, California, and two other neighboring schools. And this program was all about creating, uh, being proactive and creating a culture of kindness and compassion at schools. It was based on um, children having a 50-item kindness checklist where they can all actively be part of creating this positive culture at their school. So it was a one week of kindness and um, the, our, my children's school, really, they really embraced it. And um, it was wildly successful at the school. Like they saw such amazing results in with the um, absences went down after that. Um, the respect level really went up and, and, and the joy level went up. And it's so important to have happy kids, happy kids learn better. So, um, when things are successful in schools, educators like to share the word, spread the word. And so very organically, again, and very in grassroots fashion, those three schools told other schools. And the next year, we had 264 schools participating in the Great Kindness Challenge. And then they did it. And there was such joy and such success, you know, and such positive results that those those 264 schools shared the news. And then we had over a thousand schools the next year. And it just had this exponential growth because it worked. Um, we created something that was really turnkey for the schools to be able to implement easily. So it was little effort and huge impact, which is a winning success for anything um, to, to really thrive. And then now um, we're going on our 13th year of the Great Kindness Challenge. Um, last year we had 19 million, actually over 19 million students in 39,000 schools participating and um, altogether in, in reaching 115 countries. So it has been a beautiful growth. Um, we've been able to put systems into place to make it really accessible to everybody. We've had to do some um, different languages so you know we can really expand the reach and um, just emphasize the joy factor in a way that every single student could be part of creating that positive culture at the school. And so with this great, with this, um, the great kindness challenge, what came mm-hmm. first, the peace pledge or the challenge? Because you said that so the, the peace, peace pledge mm-hmm. kind of drives everything, but we didn't really mm-hmm. say, you didn't, I don't know that we really talked about what the peace pledge, what is it? Yes, you're exactly right. So the peace pledge came first, and that was um, in one of the you know, very first meetings that we ever had. Um, We did like a little seminar with the kids and had them come up with the ideas that were important to them. So the first line is, I pledge to use my words to speak in a kind way. I pledge to help others as I go throughout my day. I pledge to care for our earth with my healing heart and hands. I pledge to respect people in each and every land. I pledge to join together as we unite the big and small. I pledge to do my part to create peace for one and all. Um, so the kids created that, and they um, just every every month they would put one line of the peace pledge into action, and then that is the that that is the uh, I call it the roadmap to peace, and it's also the guiding force for all of our chapters around the world. Um, and we've had an opportunity to to travel 
in many different countries, uh, many different cultures. And we found that this peace pledge transcends all religions. It transcends all social and economic status, all cultures. And it really is this unifying force that everyone um, has been able to get behind, which has been really beautiful to see. You know, we have our um, several chapters in Iraq, and those kids are putting the exact same words into action as our kids here in the United States. Um, and yeah, it's just beautiful to see how that peace pledge has grown all over and really gives um, an active way that kids and, and now adults too can, um, again, actively create a better culture for everyone. You, this is phenomenal. <laughs> I just have to say, ah. like, it really, Mary and I are looking at each other when you're talking and we're just going, unbelievable. Like our eyes are looking at each other because we sit across from each other and we're just ah. in this unison thinking, this is just incredible what you are building and how many lives you're affecting and the impact that you're having across borders, across, like you said, across mm -hmm. socioeconomic divides or whatever. This is just incredible. And children, I believe in children, like, and Mary and I, we talk about this all the time. We believe in the next generation. We believe in kids. We believe in mm -hmm. our children. And this is the kind of world that we want to leave for them because they're also taking an active role in creating that world for themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And um, it is, it is so exciting to see how many kids really care. And of course we have to have the adults who help them, you know, to implement all of this. So it, it's um, both the adult and the kids working together for this. Um, but one of the real simple concepts that I had from the beginning um, because people are like, don't you ever get overwhelmed by you know, having such big numbers now and so many people involved. Um, we have over 80,000 adult volunteers who implement our programs. But one thing that is so essential, and I think it crosses over anybody starting any kind of business, is to keep it simple. And um, we really remember that, remind ourselves of that all the time. If we start getting too complicated, we're like, let's bring it back. Because you can be so impactful with the simplest actions. And the more simple things are, the more people have an entry point into being part of it. And so we're really, um, that's one of our mantras is, is keep it simple. Stupid. We'll sometimes say, keep, <laughs> yeah, keep, we, it was like, we'll say, keep, keep it simple, sunshine. Oh, sunshine. I love that. Yes. I love yes. that. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a way better way of putting it. But don't you think yes. that there's, yes. there's like an underlying goodness force that's helping you guys like there's got to be some really positive energy that's helping it just expand so much across the world um i do i do think you know i i personally wake up um every day and i just say to greater forces than myself i say use me use my hands and my words and my thoughts and my ideas use me for the greater good for all and I'm not ever sure what that's going to look like, but then I just listen and I receive and I respond accordingly. Um, I know the first couple of years when we were just getting established, I also said yes to everything. Like I was just a yes woman. Um, I believed in that getting that momentum going. So if people asked us, you know, to come speak at a, you know, a club of 10 people, we're like, yes, we will be there. If people asked us to come, do a service project at their senior living home, we said, yes, we will be there. 
chance. We were always just saying yes to any opportunity to really get that momentum going. And I think that was also important. So we kept it simple and we just said yes to every opportunity. Um, we definitely have to be more discerning now because we have so many more opportunities and just the oppor- um, just our capabilities to respond to everything. Um, and with our first years, though, we really were very proactive in just responding to any opportunity that we had so that we could keep tapping into that force of good that's out there. Well, and I do like the um, when you're talking about it also from a business concept and to actually grow the organization so that it is manageable and keeping it simple and not complicating. It's so mm-hmm. often when somebody has an idea for something, it's so easy to take everyone's opinions, mm-hmm. everyone's consult into account, mm-hmm. and then every, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're completely overwhelmed. Your idea right. has morphed into something that you didn't really um, envision or really doesn't speak to your heart. And so mm-hmm. but you're listening to people who are maybe experts, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're in, uh, your fingers are in a thousand different fires. <laughs> you know what I mean? It- Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And then when people get overwhelmed, they get paralyzed and then they don't yes. do anything. Yes. 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 So let's go back to the part where with the kids, I'm just trying to get my brain around. So if a school has an event, is it mm-hmm. something like, like, you know, the dare events they would do for like a week? Do you guys yes, do something for Red a Ribbon. week? We do. And actually, I was um, the Red Ribbon um, volunteer at my school, the coordinator at my children's school. So I got good practice. And I really liked the model that they had of, you know, every day spirit days or, you know, some kind of action um, they could take every day. So we um, definitely borrowed um, that format for the week long, um, the week long activities. One, one thing that we built upon from that is having that checklist of 50 acts of kindness. Um, and then we have a junior edition for kinder, um, for preschool through like first grade. It's just um, nine or 12, nine acts of kindness. No, 12 acts, excuse me, 12 acts of kindness. Um, but we, the students have this 50 acts of kindness and we are, they, they're um, giving every single student an opportunity to be part of creating that culture. So there's some kids who naturally are kind, like that's just their jam right away. And then they're just so happy because they have this week that's just supporting what they're already doing. We have other kids that I say are a little bit lower on that kindness spectrum, um, maybe have even been ones that have been unkind to others. But as they're almost like, I would I'm not say forced to do acts of kindness, but strongly encouraged to do acts of kindness, they're like, wait a second, this actually feels nice to do things for others. And then they're having acts of kindness done to them. So they're receiving it. And when they're used to receiving more negative attention, all of a sudden they're receiving this positive. And it literally changes the brain. Um, the neurons that are fighting are firing. It literally changes that as kids are performing kind act after kind act. So it's a beautiful way that wherever a student sits on that kindness spectrum, there's a place for them. And then with anything, when you're doing something positive, it just feeds off of itself. You know, kindness, research has shown that kindness is contagious. And so it has this beautiful effect that everybody feels good about creating this better environment at school. So it's, it's again, a simple concept. Um, 
and it's a take action concept that really has worked beautifully. Well, and it's one of those concepts that is great for children, but it's also a great reminder for us moms and for adults. Also, just to your point, I was also listening to another podcast. They were interviewing a a happiness and joy expert, and he studied um, happiness and joy at Harvard, and this is what he's built his um, career on. And he Mm -hmm. was, one of the recommendations he was making was talk, one of the things was to send an email for 21 days of praise and positivity to someone new and different. So for Mm -hmm. 21 days, send a positive email to someone. And not only does that change their life or help them, but it changes the neurons in your own brain Mm -hmm. to find, Mm -hmm. to help you find more happiness and joy in your own life. So I think that's right. Don't you think this is such a great lesson for moms and parents and just adults in general? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is something kindness um, and generosity and gratitude, like anything else, has to be practiced. It's not anything that we can just take for granted. So having that be a conscious practice um, is important and, and absolutely necessary. Um, knowing that we did create a family edition of the Great Kindness Challenge. Um, we were actually on Good Morning America, and they had us on for an entire week once. Um, it was amazing. So every single day, they did a, a different, um, uh, they, did, they kicked it off showing what the whole Great Kindness Challenge was. And then they had different schools that they featured throughout the week. And um, at the end, they had kids back in the studio again, um, just to show the impact that that week had. So it was pretty unheard of to have Good Morning America do a whole week-long series. Um, when that was over, they asked us if we had something for our family or for their, for their adult viewers, um, who are often um, mothers also, um, the viewers. And so inspired by them and um, from the schools asking for it, we created a family edition. Schools said, can we get something at home where the where um, our families can keep practicing it and reinforce these positive habits that they're creating at school. So we did. We created the family edition. It's 50 Acts of Kindness that you can all do together. Um, we have a free download. Actually, everything we do at Kids for Peace is free um, for our for all the participants. And so there's a checklist of 50 Acts of Kindness that you can just go download and get busy. There's 50 acts, as I said, and you could do like one a week um, together. And there's some little ones and there's some bigger ones. Um, going to the point of the gratitude, one of the acts of kindness is make a family gratitude jar. And then every, either it's either daily, put a little note of gratitude in there, or weekly, um, you know, making a habit as best suits your family. So, yes, it is so important <laughs> for adults as well as our youth to practice kindness. And so how do kids and parents or families get involved and how do they, where do they go? How do they start if it's not in their school? Yeah. So if it's not in the school, um, so we have different programs in Kids for Peace. We actually have five programs. So the Great Kindness Challenge is our biggest program. So if it's not in their school, the best thing to do is to ask their school to start it. And um, it's super, super easy to implement it. It can be just as easy as running off, you know, making copies of that 50-item checklist, distributing, excuse me, distributing them um, on a Monday and say, do as many as you can by Friday. So that's like at the bare minimum, that is participating in the Great Kindness Challenge. Then we have a very robust toolkit that they can do to complement the week with all kinds of activities and 
um, kickoff assembly scripts are in there and spirit, um, spirit day ideas and school decorating ideas and then ways to involve the whole community and bring your firefighters in and mayor and, you know, just ways to really elevate the kindness experience. So if a school is not, if a family school is not participating, they can go to the um, administration and say, can we please do this, um, offer to help, or maybe a school counselor would want to take it on. So that's how you, know, you can get involved with the Great Kindness Challenge. Um, we have our Peace Pledge Program, which is a chapter-based program, um, very similar to the Scout model. So that would be um, having getting a small group of kids together. Um, whether it's a neighborhood chapter, it could be boys and girls of all ages together that can just meet at your home or at a community center or at a park. Um, we have full training and um, we, we provide everything you need to have a successful chapter. So someone could just start a chapter or they can find out um, if there's a local chapter they could just join. And um, we also have those chapters in schools as well. And we have a wonderful Peace Pledge Program director who guides every step of the way. And then we have uh, the program like uh, Global Friends that you don't have to be part of a chapter to be part of um, different projects in there. One of those projects is our Peaceful Pen Pal project that people can go online and just sign up to be a pen pal. Um, we have over 10,000 kids currently um, connected and we individually connect every child um, from, one, from one country to another. Um, which is really a beautiful thing to make friends around. Um, and then there's other projects under our, our Global Friends Project. We also have our Eco Kids, um, excuse me, it's called, now called Care for Our Earth Program. And there's different projects they can do to do environmental projects, whether they are in a chapter or at a school or not, they can do that on their own. And finally, we have a Community Builders, which has other project ideas that kids can just do on their own or as part of their chapter. So wow. All of it's on our website. <laughs> wow, which is uh, kidsforpeaceglobal.org. Global.org, exactly. Okay, this is like kind of mind-blowing, but super <laughs> excited. So do you guys have sponsors who help fund some of these efforts or you know, board we directors? Do. Yeah. We do. Yeah, we have all that. So as a nonprofit, you have to have a board of directors. I have an amazing board of directors that's really um, – there's a lot to help raise funds. We have a, one of our board of directors is hosting our own golf tournament in, in two weeks um, to raise you know, many thousands of dollars. We have, um, we're doing a big gala coming up. We have a Peace Hero Gala every year, um, which is really fun. We're, this year we're honoring Giancarlo Esposito, who's an actor and um, just a big, a beautiful philanthropist and peace builder himself. Um, so there's the, um, we raise a lot of money for the gala. Um, we do write a lot of grants. And then we have um, sponsorships. This this year, Uli, I, I don't know, are you familiar with Uli? They're a an, um, really wonderful arts and craft brand, um, also run by a mom. Um, and it's now this global company, an amazing company, beautiful products. Um, and they are the presenting sponsor of the Great Kindness Challenge. So. All awesome. of that. We have merchandise also. Yeah, so it's a multifaceted fundraising um, apparatus that we have going to support the work we do so that we can make it um, available at no cost to programming for everyone. Well, and, and also from a business perspective, it is a nonprofit organization, and there are a lot of moms who have ideas for, um, for things that they want to start. Mm-hmm but they also need to help with the finances of the family. 
And right. so they get caught between, I don't want to, I, I would love to do this, but I can't be a, a volunteer 40 hours a week forever. <laughs> you know, I right. have to make money for my family, but you can. And I, I think sometimes people think if I start a nonprofit, I'm going to be in that constant volunteer mode. I'll never make any money. But when you're, the, when you're organizing, you're putting together a team, you're raising money because you have to fund the program, but you also have to pay salaries. That's right. That's right. Um, and I would say that a lot of nonprofits do start when it's founder, um, you know, so I'm the founder, I'm a, the co-founder, started it with the high school, amazing high school student, Daniel Graham. Um, so for the first several years, um, I was a volunteer. It was all sweat equity. We pretty much did everything we did without um, income. Um, and then I just, I was able, you know, financially I was able to do that. And we're very scrappy. Um, and then it came to a point, I'm a single mom, it came to a point that I was not able to exist without having an income. And so then we just, um, our board kept um, finding ways to support that. And, um, you know, most nonprofits, it's accepted and expected that you pay your staff for the work that they do. Right. Um, sometimes it just might be a slow go to get there. But nonprofit doesn't mean that we're not making money. Nonprofit means that we just, have a lot of rules that we need to follow, that we're of service to the community and to the world, and that we have to follow certain rules. And then it's just that we can't ever sell the, you know, the, the business or the nonprofit at some point, even if you're the founder. It's um, We are working for the good of the community, but fully expected to take a salary. Well, and I think that also that makes, that ensures that the nonprofit, the organization is sustainable, you know, because exactly. you have to have people that can keep it going. Otherwise it would just fold and be and drift away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that happens to a lot of nonprofits. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know the actual statistics, but um, there are a lot that within the first five years don't succeed. Um, and for this, for that same reason, and I anybody that's interested in starting a nonprofit, um, first to see if there's something that's already, you know, whatever your passion is, to see if there's something you can start volunteering at and then, then get hired on as staff for that. But really see if there's something first that is out there to support that. Um, and then if not, then, you know, then try to, to start something I know that, that I never intended Kids for Peace to be a nonprofit when I started. So I did not start with that mindset at all. I just started with the idea that I wanted kids to be able to help make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that kids are so wise and giving them the opportunity. Um, I wanted us to be able to take action so people didn't feel in such despair after 9-11. And so it, it just needed to become a nonprofit as people wanted to support it. And, um, you know, it, it organically grew into what it is. Ideas kind of find their way. Mm -hmm. They do. Yes. They do. Yes. yes. All right. And so just real quick, we're getting close to the end here, but you do have three um, tips here that you had sent over that to offer the listeners on some takeaways that had to put some takeaways for them to implement into their lives. Yes. Will you remind me what I wrote? Yeah, no, 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 no. You started, yeah. uh, no, of course I know. You started with words, that words matter. 
Okay, yes, words matter. So it's really, really important um, to ha- to be conscious of our words. And um, it's one of the big things that we um, we teach our youth and really um, impl- and we reinforce with our youth that the words that they say to others have a huge impact. And then also the words that they think about themselves, the words that they are telling themselves, they matter. Um, we actually have this really amazing um, as an, an applied kinesiology exercise that we do where we have kids, um, it's like a little muscle testing, and we have them say out loud something negative about themselves um, that they often will say, such, such as, I can't do it. Like that's a common thing that many people say, I can't do it. Um, or I'm not smart enough, or I'll never make it, or I'm not, um, or I'm, I'm not pretty enough. Like they'll say these negative things about themselves. We test their muscles and the, every time their, their muscle is so weak. And then we have them turn that around and say, if they say, I can't do it, they'll simply say, I can do it. Repeat it out loud, test their muscles again, and they are amazingly strong. And it's just this beautiful exercise that shows how powerful our words are, what impact they have. And so we have kids really just notice what they're saying to themselves, about themselves, to themselves, and to others, and being conscious of that. And then I train the kids to say, cancel, cancel. If they find themselves saying something negative to themselves, I have them say, cancel, cancel, because that will like trigger their brain, like, no, I'm not going to listen to that, and then say something in the positive, reverse what they had just said. So words matter. Um, It does take a practice to be very mindful of the words and keeping it positive. But that is something um, that really can turn a life around, just turning that, that, you know, from seeing the life from that negative lens into a positive lens. And everybody can do it no matter where they're coming from. It just takes practice to do it and, and being aware. And then you also say that actions matter. Yes. So um, actions are so important. And we can't just talk about it. We have to do things. Um, I believe that that's another reason Kids for Peace was so successful early on, is we gave kids an actionable way to make a difference. So we listen to what their ideas are, and we help support them in making those ideas come true. Um, a beautiful story is um, of an actual, I think she was five years old, um, and she, it was Halloween time, and we were talking about things that we could do to um, put our, to be of service to the community, and um, she's like, I mean, you know, my grandma's at a senior home, and I would love to go in our Halloween costumes and give them, bring them treats instead, so she called it, you know, reverse trick-or-treating. And um, she said, let's call it Operation Peace Ghost. So she created <laughs> Operation Peace Ghost. And I um, had her like, what, you know, what, what facility is your grandparent at? So I practiced with her on the phone. She called up the facility, you know, introduced herself, so that she would like to come with her friends from Kids for Peace and do what she wanted to do. Um, set up the whole thing. Like I was just there listening in case she needed anything. But this little five-year-old set it up. We found a date. Um, and then she, you know, spread the word to the other kids. We showed up with costumes. They made little, had little treat bags that they had made and then went around and just gave the treats out and connected with the seniors, all led by a five-year-old. And then when these other older kids, 
saw, and even younger kids saw this five-year-old doing this and seeing the impact. They're like, wait, she can do it. I can do it. And those actions that she took have changed her life. She's now graduating from high school. And all along, she just believed and known that she could do it. If she has an idea, there's a way to put that idea into action because actions matter and they really elevate our self-esteem and they make a big difference in creating that positive culture. And then the third final point that you touch on is that kindness heals. Kindness heals. Yes. So during the pandemic, I mean, it was tough. It was tough on our kids. The toughest time I've seen in schools, um, in families, you know, it was really hard on their mental health. Um, Kids are struggling right now. And there's a lot of research out there that kindness heals, that kindness is the way to go about moving us out of, um, you know, the, the depression and despair and the isolation that our youth are feeling like in masses right now. Um, so we're, we, we see this, we are addressing, we can't ignore that this is happening. And we know that giving our youth the opportunity to practice kindness for themselves and for others is really the way to lift us out of this despair. And um, we have in schools, we've created a whole new curriculum. Um, it was our Great Kindness Challenge classroom curriculum. It's 50 acts of kindness, um, t- broken each one and broken up into a lesson. And it's all to address the, the mental health crisis that we're in right now. So for any schools, um, if your students are, if our listeners, if they have uh, students and uh, children in schools, you can offer that up to the classrooms, teachers to implement that. And it's even something, um, it wasn't really designed for families to do, but it's something you could absolutely download yourself as a family and do the lessons and take time because it has very thoughtful questions in there. Um, it has physical activities and then it has the actual doing and act of kindness each time. So kindness um, sometimes seems like such a simple concept to people, maybe a soft skill to people, but we find that kindness now is absolutely a necessity. It's not just a nicety. It's an absolute necessity. Well, and on that point, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We're encouraging everyone, every listener to go to your website and download the Great Kindness Challenge and the Family Edition Checklist also. So thank you so much for being with us. And we just wish you all the best in spreading peace around the world. Hi there, it's us, Mary and Heather. The lawyers want you to know a few things about this podcast. First, it's for entertainment and education purposes only. And a few things about us. We're not doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, financial advisors, or professional coaches. As Mary likes to say, we're just talkers. Always seek the advice of professionals. That's it. Thanks for listening.